Welcome to the San Diego News Fix, The Backstory, where we give you a behind the scenes look at our industry and what's happening in our newsroom. I'm Christy Totten. 75 years ago in 1947, slavery was commonly thought of as a Southern thing, and furthermore, a thing of the past. Then Alfred and Elizabeth Ingalls were arrested in Coronado. The couple in their mid-60s had recently moved from Boston and were charged with keeping their Black maid, Dora Jones, in involuntary servitude. Today I'm joined by Union Tribune writer John Wilkins, his editor Christina Davis, as well as managing editor Laura Sacallo, and editor and publisher Jeff Flate. Okay, John, this uh, is a remarkable story and uh, one that uh, I was completely unaware of this history. So why don't we just start... Uh, Fill in a little bit more of the story that Christy just, just summarized. Tell me about this trial that took place 75 years ago. Well, I, yeah, I've been, I've been here for 34 years. I was completely unaware of it as well. Um, it was uh, a story that uh, unfolded in February of 1947 when the FBI showed up and arrested this couple in Coronado, put them in jail overnight and, and put the maid, uh, Dora Jones, into protective custody. And the case that they built... Uh, in a trial that um, took place for, uh, it lasted off and on for about a month in San Diego, drew front page news here regularly, drew newspaper and magazine attention all across the country. And they built a case that showed this couple had kept um, uh, Dora Jones in um, basically in slavery for almost 30 years, um, forcing her to do all sorts of menial labor, uh, clothing her in rags, not paying her anything, um, beating her frequently. Um, that so sexually that, assaulting her, I believe, as no, well? No, no, no. There was, oh. Well, well <laughs> that, that turns out to be the reason why they were able to keep her um, in, uh, under their thumb, so to speak, because um, the Mrs. Ingalls uh, had been married previously, and um, her first husband forced himself on the maid, and that led to a pregnancy and an abortion. And so then Mrs. Ingalls held that, um, those facts over the head of Dora Jones, the maid, uh, for 30 years uh, to keep her in check. Oh, I misunderstood. Oh my gosh, that's, uh, that, that's horrible. Um, so, uh, 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 and how does this story end? So the case went to, went to a jury and the jury took all of 30 minutes to convict Mrs. Ingalls of um, enslaving uh, Dora Jones, and then was unable to reach a verdict on uh, the husband, Mr. Ingalls, with some of the jurors believing that he was under the influence of his wife and others thinking he should have stood up himself and tried to stop it. So um, one of the things that made the case interesting there is that um, usually in cases where the federal government brings a charge like this, they fine the defendant to, to give money to the, um, to the government. In this case, the judge went beyond that and fined the couple and ordered them to pay uh, Dora Jones back wages, about um, $6,000, you know, roughly $78,000 in, in today's money. Um, so it, was, it, it marked an early occasion where they, they actually uh, ordered restitution to, to yeah. the woman who had been enslaved. Yeah. The, um... And, and this was a, a quite a celebrated case as it unfolded, right? People were turning out to watch this in real time. They were. Uh, um, large numbers of San Diegans, especially Black San Diegans, wanted to get into the courtroom. Some of them got up at, at uh, dawn to wait in line to try to get into the courtroom. Um, 
on a, on a number of occasions. One time they were so frustrated about getting in, they started to chant, let us in, let us in. And the judge heard it in his chambers and had to ask the, um, decided to ask the bailiffs to intervene and to clear the courtroom. So obviously a very uh, troubling and significant moment in our history and uh, somehow lost on, on, on all of us. Nobody, we were speaking uh, before we uh, started this uh, show None of us really knew about this. And so I guess, I, I wonder, how did, how did you discover the story? And well, then building on that, when, when you knew about it, what, what was it that made you think, I should tell this story now? So uh, our research manager, Mary Montiagudo, puts out a list um, at the beginning of every year about um, significant anniversaries that are coming up uh, uh, involving events that happened in San Diego. And this item was on the list for marking 75 years since um, the trial had happened. And it just, I had never heard about it before. And it struck me as amazing that we would have a slavery case in San Diego almost 100 years after the 13th Amendment banning slavery had passed. So I wanted to find out some more about that. And Mary sent me a bunch of the clippings from the trial. And, and I realized that it had been covered um, you know, <laughs> covered quite extensively by the major newspapers in San Diego at the time, found some other references to it in newspapers and magazines. The New York Times, Time Magazine had written about it um, as it unfolded. And then I looked back at some, um, it's been mentioned in academic books and scholarly papers that address the history of the 13th Amendment. Um, because this case arose at a time when the country was trying to was wrestling with just what civil rights meant. You know, uh, World War II had ended. We'd had um, blacks and other groups had fought um, fought in World War II to great distinction um, and came home and found themselves facing discrimination again. So the, the the Justice Department started to look into ways that they could kind of extend some of the rights that a lot of people had taken for granted, but were not being actually granted to various people around the country. Yeah, clearly a, a really significant case. Now, John, you uh, shared with me that you were a history major in college. Um, so maybe share with me a little bit your thoughts about local history and how that might be different from uh, the kind of journalism we do every day and maybe where those two things come together on occasions like this one. Well, yeah, I was a history major at the University of Santa Barbara, Go Gauchos. And, um, you know, so I'm always, I'm always looking backwards when I look at stories. And often when we do stories in the, in the rush of daily deadlines, we really don't have time to go back and to try to research and understand that context. And I've always believed we have a hard time figuring out where we should go if we don't know where we've been. So I think it's really important to pay attention to these. And one of the things that also struck me about this particular story is that we're at a moment right now where California is exploring the idea of black reparations. Um, and when you look at that whole issue, one of the things that the, the task force exploring that is putting forward is the idea that the shadow of slavery, you know, it has extended for years and decades and generations, it's still with us in many ways. So I think it's important to mark those moments in our own history where that idea has been explored and where some of the injustices have been brought forward. Yeah, yeah. 
So now, uh, Laura Sacala, uh, you've been at the paper for more than 30 years. Do I have it right? That's correct. So your knowledge, and, and you're a Sa uh, native San Diegan, right? Right, right. So, or truly mystic, maybe. I'll also unaware of this story, I, I might add. I'm a native San Diegan and had never heard this story. Um, but I think your role inside our organization uh, uh, and your standing, I guess, uh, you bring a lot of value knowing the history of the community. And there have been many occasions when, uh, when you have weighed in with context that would be lost on the rest of us. So uh, I guess I was uh, interested in your reflections on the importance of local history and, uh, and maybe even uh, what we could do to make sure we are, as journalists, uh, better informed about the context of our whole community. Those are great questions and uh, questions that I think probably we all think about from time to time. I, you know, as John mentioned um, in slightly different wording, you know, the, the past is prologue and understanding the context, uh, part of our job is to help people understand the context of stories and events and issues. And in that way to understand the context of our community. And I think that's, that's a big, part of our responsibility and, and our job. Sometimes we do a great job at it and other times maybe not so much. And I think there are stories like this and issues that uh, maybe have been lost a bit to, to the history of um, at least the institutional knowledge in, in our organization. And I think a lot of that has to do with making sure we're talking to all kinds of people, that our sources are as broad and deep and uh, extensive as we can possibly make it so that we're not just talking to the same circle of people who may have similar experiences or knowledge to our own, but we're really reaching into all corners of the community and and hearing stories that, like this one, may be unknown to us, um, which may then lead to other stories that are either unknown to us or unknown to a large part of our community. And I think those are all important stories to be told. Yeah, we've got a community journalism project upcoming uh, to tell some uh, forgotten pieces of, of history or new perspectives of the history of San Diego. So we can talk about that in a future, a future episode of this show. Um, um, but like, what, what, what do we really do to prepare ourselves to be good students of the history of our community? Like, I feel like this is something that's uh, somewhat missing in the industry, right? I mean, we, at the UT, for instance, we had, uh, uh, lunch lunchtime lecture series uh, in recent uh, months over the last year, I guess, with a number of uh, historians talking about Mexican American history, 
to understand better the the uh, the past of our community. Um, I, I guess I wonder if uh, if we should be doing more of that, or should you're also a journalism professor, Laura, or an instructor? Um, sh should there be more in the universities around local history, or is it the kind of thing that you sort of learn as you go? Well, I think, and and Christina may want to weigh in on this as as well. I I think I think it's all of those things. I I think helping students understand some of the context is is important. I, I think a lot of it does for for better or or ill. A lot of it does happen on the job, and um, I think we have an important role to play within the organization of encouraging people to not only learn about the local history that's readily available, but to look into some of those dark corners and to really explore things that are not so easy to uncover. Um, I don't know, Christina, from your perspective, you know, how you're a, not a native, you know, you came here as a, as a reporter and I, I don't know if you might want to weigh in on how you learned about some of the things in San Diego that were uh, not known to you before or may have been surprising. Yeah, I mean, I think through absorption is, is really how I've done it over the years as a reporter here. I've been a, a reporter here for 16 years um, and just transferred over to being an editor. But, um, you know, within the, the, the beats that I've covered over those 16 years, mostly police and law enforcement and um, courts and, you know, those tentacles spread out into other areas, but um, I just have considered myself um, a student of all of the people that I talk to and get to know who, I'm not the expert in a lot of those areas, um, at least at first, but I'm talking to, to the experts and, and, you know, hopefully talking to the right people. But I mean, I used to go as a rookie reporter, um, and this is in Phoenix too, I didn't grow up in Phoenix um, when I started. I would go on ride-alongs and, I'd be pumping the cops I was with for, you know, what are the good scoops? What are the, what's happening now in the community? What's, what's that good, next good story I can get? Um, but I also always pumping them for, for the backstory, for the history of, you know, uh, how things used to operate. Um, and I find that usually people are more than happy to share that stuff with you if you have the time to listen. Because um, people want to share their history or the things that were passed down, um, maybe not even through their generation, but but from earlier. Um, so I've I've always found that to be an incredibly important part of being a reporter. Um, and I'm not sure that we really communicate that with um, you know some of the the younger reporters who are coming up. Um, I don't know that I've ever actually had a conversation with a. a another reporter about the importance of that. Um, so we probably could be doing better at that. Um, and I will say too that, you know, I, I hear those things and I, I, I usually am just filing them back away in my mind. And a lot of times all it does is it's there for me to pull out right at the right moment when I need that, that historical context for some current issue that I'm writing about, you know, whether it be a, 
some use of force thing or some legal ruling, you know, and then, oh yeah, I remember I have this and I can kind of pull it out in the moment. But then every once in a while it becomes kind of like John uh, does frequently. It becomes like its own really big story that you can really sink your teeth into and really let um, people today uh, who aren't following things quite as closely, let them in on a, on a piece of the past that you know they probably have never heard about or read about. Um, and I, I love doing those stories and especially bringing it to current day context because it seems like we're always having to revisit you know, the meaning of some of these things. Yeah, I think it just points up you know, the, the, the difficulties of the job of the journalist, right? Because uh, you know what it feels like to arrive at the, into a story that you haven't been covering. And you're really not up to speed on all the players and all the meaning. And what a perilous feeling that is and how careful you have to be. And yet, writ large, that's sort of what's happening with us every day uh, uh, to the extent that we're not deeply informed about the history of the community because we don't really know the context. So uh, I guess with that, I would just say, John, thank you for doing this story. V really eye-opening and amazing, uh, an amazing story and amazing that it is so unknown. Uh, that in itself, I think, speaks volumes. So, uh, so, uh, so, thank you for doing that. Uh, I hope uh, I hope others uh, enjoy it as much as I did.